Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, your saving life, death, and resurrection, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We pray that as we meditate on these mysteries, as we recite the Holy Rosary, that we might more and more love these very mysteries by which we are saved, that we might proclaim them with our lives and our word. We ask this through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who with you lives and reigns in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lady Seat of Wisdom, pray for us. Holy Father Dominic, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now the Dominican tradition has it that when St. Dominic was deeply discouraged by his lack of success in preaching to the Albigensians, who were they? They were the inhabitants of Albi in the south of France, uh, Gens in Latin people, the people of the Albi, um, but what was the heresy they held? They held for a kind of Gnosticism, that there was an equal creator of good and an equal creator of, e uh, of evil, and everything that was created material was evil, and everything that was created spiritual was good. And so therefore, um, trying to uh, not only be celibate, but also eat as little food as possible to avoid any contamination uh, with the material was the best way one could live. Now, most people uh, couldn't live like that. Um, and so there was a sense in which you could more or less do whatever you wanted to as long as you did not marry you could have as much sex as you wanted to as long as you did not have children. Because why would you bring material children uh, into this universe, etc.? You can see what a pernicious heresy it was. It uh, cut right at the uh, heart of marriage and of family. Uh, but actually, there are similar strains of this uh, perennial heresy uh, in our own day, as you can see as you simply look at our culture. And our tradition is that Dominic was given the rosary which combines the material. Material beads run through material fingers while the words uh, are uttered by the tongue and the lips and the ears can hear them, all of which do not take you away from things spiritual, but rather guide you and lead you to the deeply spiritual as you meditate on the holy mysteries. Now the problem with this tradition is that there were rosaries before St. Dominic. There were 150 paternoster beads, people who weren't literate, who could not say 150 psalms like the monks did. The holy rule of St. Benedict would have them saying that uh, basically the Psalter uh, uh, once a week um, but people who couldn't would say 150 paternosters, 150 our fathers. And especially in the high Middle Ages, as devotion to Our Lady grew, uh, it had always been there, but it had a special flourishing at that time, there began to be the substitution of some 
Hail Mary is the first part of the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And that began to be substituted uh, from some of, for some of the, the Our Fathers. Now, Father B. Jared, in his wonderful life of St. Dominic, he suggests that after St. Dominic preached the great truths of salvation, how the Lord Jesus became incarnate, took on flesh, became one of us. Therefore, the flesh, the body, is good. It has its problems, life has its problems, but it's good. Uh, and therefore, uh, he suffered and died for us in the flesh to redeem our flesh and rose on high in the new risen body, as in the fullness of time we hope that we shall uh, as well. And so that uh, Dominic, as he had uh, people meditating on these truths of the incarnation, uh, the preaching, the death, the resurrection uh, of the Lord, the outpouring of the Spirit, Our Lady's role in all of this, he had the people telling their paternoster beads, saying they're our fathers and their Hail Marys as they meditated uh, on this reality. Father Gabriel Hardy, an Irish Dominican recently deceased, he helps us, I think, to put this whole tradition in perspective. This is what he says. Since Albigensianism was such a disease and plague upon humanity, the message of Dominic was certainly a healing one. The rosary built around the woman and the child and the word made flesh came into being to deal with the false duality of the Albigensians. St. Dominic preached that all creation was good. He used the rosary as a means of preaching the gospel in its totality. If only the Dominicans of our day could again find the charism of the rosary and use it as the instrument of healing love as it was meant to be, they would sweep over the world and renew it in fire. Thus, Father Gabriel Harding. Now, in his encyclical on the rosary, John Paul II does not mention um, the rosary in connection with St. Dominic. He speaks of the Dominicans in the 1400s using it as a prayer in, uh, at the time of a difficult, uh, a time of heresy in the church. He does speak of the Dominican, St. Louis de Montfort, and his secret of the rosary, which makes use of blessed Alan de la Roche, and Alan de la Roche is the one who talks about uh, St. Dominic receiving the rosary from Our Lady. He also speaks of Bartolo Lungo, a third order Dominican, as you are, a lawyer in the 19th century, who dallied with spiritualism, not the Holy Spirit, but the spiritual world and frequently evil spirits, etc. Um, he was said to be a high priest in uh, this diabolical cult. And after his conversion, his Dominican confessor suggested to him that he expiate, do penance for his uh, unfaithfulness by propagating the rosary. He did this, he taught catechism, 
He got people interested in the Rosary Confraternity. He found an old painting of the Rosary being given uh, by Our Lady to St. Dominic and St. Catherine looking on. Some of you know that image, Our Lady of Pompeii. He had the image cleaned up uh, and he built a huge uh, basilica uh, at Pompeii um, in honor of Our Lady of the Rosary. And near there, he had orphanages for orphan boys and orphan girls. He taught them uh, trades, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, and so he had a whole kind of little holy city uh, around the rosary, uh, helping the poor. Um, he said, whoever spreads the rosary is saved. Now, Pope Paul VI in Marialis Cultus in praising the rosary, did not hesitate to compare it to the liturgy, especially the mass, and said both are community prayers. Well, we know you can say the rosary by yourself, but it's often said uh, in common. Both are drawn from the sacred scriptures. And of course, John Paul II, in his uh, Rosarium Virgins Mariae, um, he proposed the luminous mysteries. Well, it didn't force it on anybody, didn't say had to say them, but because the joyful mysteries look at the uh, uh, birth uh, and infancy of the Lord, the sorrowful mysteries is suffering in his passion, uh, the uh, glorious mysteries is resurrection, but there's a kind of gap there in terms of his public life. And there were different mysteries celebrated and, and meditated on uh, in the past. And so he picked uh, those uh, which he called the mysteries of light, the luminous mysteries, uh, the baptism of the Lord, uh, the wedding at Cana, the, uh, the preaching of the Lord, uh, his transfiguration, and of course, the institution of the Eucharist at the Last Supper. So, um, but he said, uh, getting back to Paul VI, he said, both are community prayers, both are drawn from sacred scripture, uh, from the mysteries of Christ in the, seen in the New Testament. Each fosters the paschal mystery, the death and resurrection of the Lord by which we are saved. He says, the mass makes the paschal mystery, the suffering, uh, the death, the resurrection of the Lord present because mysteriously the Lord is made present by transubstantiation. The bread and the wine become nothing other than the body and blood of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ is present, soul, uh, body and soul uh, and divinity, humanity and divinity, etc. Uh, the risen Lord is made present in this, uh, this reality. And in the rosary, it's not made present in the same way, but it's made present to the mind by devout recollection, mulling over those mysteries, allowing those mysteries to penetrate from the head uh, to the heart. And Thomas Aquinas says that we are saved by every mystery of Christ. In the, that part of the Summa that most Dominicans don't bother consulting, before he treats of the sacraments, 
he treats of all of the mysteries of the life of Christ. And then he proceeds to talk about the sacraments. The implication is, of course, that Christ living in these mysteries, these phases of his life, the same Christ lives in the sacraments, uh, the sacraments as they are celebrated. The Catechism of the Catholic Church calls the Rosary a compendium of the Gospel. Paul VI says, without contemplation, the Rosary is a body without the soul. Just rattling off our fathers and Hail Marys without somehow trying to be open to the working of the Spirit in looking at these holy mysteries by which we are saved uh, simply could be magic. It's not really a uh, prayer which leads us uh, to contemplation. Now sometimes we're more open to that than others. Sometimes uh, we've got a lot of busy thoughts in our minds. Sometimes we're tired and we fall asleep. The Lord understands our weakness, but the desire to pray, the desire to contemplate the holy mysteries, um, etc. Jesus on the cross, uh, just before that, he gave himself to the church in the Eucharist, and from the cross he gave us uh, his mother to be our mother. In a way, it's interesting to know, to think about the fact that St. John Paul II gave us two encyclicals uh, before he died, one on the rosary, honoring the mother of the Lord, and one uh, on the Eucharist, which of course uh, fills us uh, with uh, the Lord's presence in the celebration of the Eucharist. He suggests, John Paul II, uh, that the rosary uh, is such a powerful prayer because we're praying it with Our Lady. He says, we can learn of Christ from Mary, who knew him better. We are configured to Christ with Mary. In a way, she was his first disciple. We learn to pray to Christ with Mary, and whose prayers are more powerful. Do whatever he tells you, and we try to. He says it especially uh, helpful, although it cannot always be done, uh, to pray it before the Lord in the Holy Eucharist. We've just had the Eucharist exposed. Listen to the words of Tolkien, of Lord of the Rings fame, when he wrote a letter to his son shortly before his death. I put to you the one great thing to love on earth, Jesus, in the Holy Eucharist. There you will find romance, glory, honor, fidelity, and the way of all of your loves on earth. This is a powerful prayer because of all that we've said above. Uh, at the Battle of Lepanto, the Christian fleet went out against a vast uh, Turkish fleet that wanted to uh, attack the Italian peninsula, wanted to uh, work its way up uh, to take over uh, Christian Europe. And our own Pope St. Pius V uh, had processions in the street of Rome uh, praying the rosary. The Christian fleet had the victory with very few losses, 
even though they should not have won, vastly outnumbered by the Turkish force. Um, it was prayed by Our Lady when she appeared to Bernadette at Lourdes. Uh, of course, that's tomorrow, isn't it? Uh, except we can't celebrate it because it's Sunday, but we can have a little commemoration in our hearts anyway. Um, requested by Our Lady of Fatima uh, for the end of communism, the conversion of uh, Russia. At the end of World War II, when the Russians went into Austria, in the 50s, a Capuchin friar got the Austrian population, that is one-tenth of the Austrian population, to pray the rosary that the Russians would leave. And curiously, they did. No one quite can explain it, but it happened. And Austria uh, was free. In the 80s, uh, priests and religious uh, uh, rose up, so to speak, among others, but they were on the front lines uh, against the Marcos regime in the Philippines. And uh, the troops wouldn't fire upon them, and the Marcos regime uh, collapsed. Uh, people on the front lines praying the rosary. My favorite story is when I was at World Youth Day in Czestochowa in Poland. It was 1991, and um, the Iron Curtain uh, was still up. We had managed to, uh, from Steubenville, many of us had gone forth, and we uh, were a one bus load of uh, young people, and we met a, a youth group of young Dutch people in Amsterdam. And we went through uh, Germany, East Germany, crossed into the communist lands, uh, went through uh, Czechoslovakia, which was kind of curious, Jehovah's Witnesses were having a great uh, uh, conference in uh, Prague, and some of the uh, fervent young youngsters from Steubenville went out uh, and preached to the Jehovah's Witnesses that Jesus is the Son of God, because they don't believe that. Uh, and anyway, and we finally made our way to Czestochowa, the famous Polish shrine of the Black Madonna outside of Krakow. We heard that some Russian young people had somehow gotten across the border and that John Paul II met with them and prayed the rosary with them. As we were, the, as World Youth Day ended and we were ready, getting ready to return, we heard that there had been the beginnings of openness in uh, Russia, perestroika, etc. But we'd heard that the Russian coup uh, of, of army generals uh, were trying to crush that. Uh, and we were all worried. The Poles were worried. There were all sorts of Russian tanks uh, still in their country, etc. Would the borders be closed? Would we get out? So we got on our buses uh, and we uh, crossed Czechoslovakia. We crossed East Germany. Germany, we got to our planes in Amsterdam. And it was only when we got to New York that we found out the story that Russian priests were there holding icons of Our Lady uh, and the troops refused to fire on them. And then that's when Yeltsin came to power uh, and uh, communism per se 
uh, was defeated. Uh, when we landed in New York and found those all out, uh, the victory had been won on the feast of the Queenship of Our Lady. And that Christmas, the Red Star came down from the Kremlin. So not only uh, was that a marvelous uh, victory, although uh, surely Russia has not yet completely been converted, but then neither has our country either for that matter. Uh, but I was somewhat involved in that. Uh, and so we can see how all of those prayers uh, said by all of those people uh, honoring the requests of Our Lady uh, for praying the rosary, for uh, receiving Holy Communion on first Saturdays and so on and so forth, how uh, a victory was won through that. Uh, so this is a powerful prayer. This is a prayer meditating on the life, death, teaching, uh, resurrection uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Blessed Virgin's involvement of all of that. As the Pope said, this is praying uh, with Mary, a prayer that she prayed and highly recommended uh, by her and part, very much part of the Dominican tradition. So I think uh, we kind of, there are more confessions which will be heard. Uh, we, uh, I'm not quite sure of the exact time, but for those who are making vows and promises, uh, there is a, a practice in the chapel, the other chapel, uh, for that. So let's uh, stand and conclude and salute Our Lady as we sing. Hail, Holy Queen and